0: Welcome to the All People Podcast, where we talk all people all the time. I'm your host, Elisa Southall. My goal is to improve Canada and employee experiences, as well as company cultures throughout U.S. employers. We do this by leading with empathy, diversity, inclusion, equality, teamwork, and transparency. Come on this journey with me. Welcome back to another episode of All People Podcast, where we talk all people all the time. I am your host, Alisa Southall, and I am here today with Karen Rojas. Karen, say hi. Hi. So Karen is a job seeker that I've had the privilege of working with, and um, I'm going to let her tell you you know, her story, but it, it's a really interesting story, and I think it's going to really be impactful for not only hiring managers and job seekers out there. So Karen, tell us a little bit about you.
1: So my name is Karen Rojas. Currently, I live in Tampa, Florida. I will be relocating to the um, Pennsylvania area. Not sure what area just yet. Um, I am one of the thousands of transitioning teachers. I transitioned out of the classroom July 2022 with the hopes of finding a role, something that was sustainable, something that would allow me to grow in my profession, to grow professionally, to have better um, opportunities um, for myself and for my daughter.
0: Yeah, and honestly, you know, I want to touch a little bit on that transitioning teacher piece. And for me, what I think is so fascinating, and you and I have talked about this, but you know, as a transitioning teacher, you come in with so many different skills that you can bring to an organization. The challenge for you, and and we've discussed this thoroughly, is you have to be the one to explain to a company how that happens, right? So on your resume, if you just put teacher, um, a lot of times businesses don't know how to translate you know, how is this going to work in, in our organization or in this particular role? And so you're building resumes for jobs that you want and, and explaining, here's how my teacher experience sort of segues in. And so in your job search, what are the types of roles that you've been searching for? So
1: I've been uh, through the gamut pretty much. Um, so most teachers, when they leave the classroom, they default most of the time, as I've seen, to instructional design. And that particular um, career became um, inundated re- really quickly. Um, and I'm the type of person I usually don't go with what everyone's doing. I usually go the other, the opposite direction. I'm one of those. So I wanted to also stay true to who I am as an educator. So I have, I feel the most comfortable in the role of student success. Now that's a huge, huge title. And under that, there's student advisor, there's student wellness. That's the new, that's the new title, student wellness um academic, um advisor, uh virtual teacher, student services. There's so many, you know, opportunities um, in that particular role. Um, because I still want to work, I still want to work with kids and and you know help them to be successful.
0: Mm. That's interesting, and I would even say for people that maybe are trying to transition away from children, right? Learning and development is not necessarily the organizational design. And in your case, in terms of student success, we also talked about employee success, right? Um, because it it has a lot of transferable skills. Um, and so, but in correct me if I'm wrong, Karen, but you're looking for primarily remote opportunities, right? You're you're really going for that work life balance of remote.
1: I am open to, um, I'm definitely, remote would be the best thing. Uh, I'm a single mom and, you know, having to juggle, you know, her and the responsibilities that come with being a single mom, remote would be, would be great, especially since I am actually in the process of of relocating from, you know, Florida to Pennsylvania. Hybrid, I would be open to hybrid. I'd have to, you know, juggle, you know, juggle some things, but I'm used to juggling. So that wouldn't be a problem.
0: (laughs) Mm, Absolutely. And. In terms of, you know, your overall job search experience, right? I mean, you mentioned that you transitioned out in 2022. So it's been almost a full year now. Correct. How has that experience been for you? It's been
1: very interesting. Um, There's been some highs and lows and the highs are pretty much, you know, getting to know people, you know, like yourself that are invested in other folks, right? So the networking has been great. Getting to know different people and you know learning the job market, learning um, about my strengths and my weaknesses has really been, it's been helpful. There's been some lows um, to the job search. And I guess the biggest low is financial. You know, As I said, I'm a single mom and having to provide for my daughter um, has been the biggest challenge. And I haven't heard people talk about this, but one of the financial issues with being a job seeker is you're no longer obviously making money but I'm no longer putting money into any form of pension or retirement. So that has been put on hold. Um, you do not receive any, well, for myself, there's no financial compensation, you know, um, health insurance is, is a challenge, life insurance, health insurance, all those things that allow me to feel comfortable that I'm providing something for my daughter. And I don't hear people talk about, about those things actually.
0: Hmm. You're right. You know, and it's it's more about that quality of life, right? Health is a big priority. And when you don't have a job, you have to put your right. prior, you know, your health second, really. And so
1: let me, so let me add. So as soon as I left the classroom, I went to one of the local offices where um someone could apply for um in the state of Florida, they're called SNAP benefits. So food stamps, you know, that whole thing. And I did that with the intentions of trying to find out if there were any problems that a single mom, in my case, would have. I wanted to know what, what, you know, how it all went down. And, you know, and I there were some hiccups along the way. And what I found out in the state of Florida is if you have um, about three months um, mortgage or rent saved, you do not qualify for anything. So if I can provide shelter for my daughter for three months, I do not, I do not qualify for any type of state or local benefits. Mm, that's awful. It is, it is. And, and I've had people say, okay, well then, you know, you could submit this document, you know, just, just don't put your bank statement, don't put these, you know, and, and I'm definitely not going to do that. So I have, I have not had health benefits in, in one year.
0: Wow you know and and your journey it speaks to the journey that i hear a lot of job seekers having and and you can weigh in cuz you know a lot of job seekers as well um it's been really hard to for people to find opportunities and whether it's not finding them right they're finding them on linkedin but they're not getting callbacks or they're getting interviews and they're not being selected i mean i know for you that that has been a frustration as you know you have the skill you know you can do these jobs but it's why, why is it not being seen by other people?
1: I think, um, that's a loaded question, and I think the job market is inundated with applicants. So mm-hmm. there's been several layoffs. Um, you know, teachers constantly leaving the district. You know, their districts. You know, the classroom. So I just think the do- the job market is um, really inundated with applicants. It's really saturated, and there's a lot of things happening in companies. And I think companies are learning a lot about this process. And so they, you know, certain even you know positions have been on hold. So there's just a lot of things. Things, you know happening to be honest with you it's hard to answer that question in just you know one or two sentences
0: no and and it wasn't necessarily like you know to ask you because I know you don't have those answers but that's the frustration that people in your position are feeling is like we feel like we're doing all the pieces right right but we're not getting the feedback that says right. you can do this better or you know it's sometimes it's just you did great but we're not hiring you which is not helpful
1: right <laughs> So I had, um, and when, okay, so to date, I've had 130 coffee chats, because I love networking and, and speaking with people. And this is what people say, Karen, and you may have said this to me, you probably have, you're doing all the things, right? So, and, and, and there's a part of me that also feels like you have to be positioned, or in the right, have the right mindset, or you'd be in the right position, you know, for an opportunity. So there's a lot of, a lot of little things, you know, that come with this process.
0: And I'm a firm believer and I've shared this with you Karen that no matter what um what being you want to call it right I usually call it the universe but some people have deities or gods or whatever else um you know it the universe guides us in a specific direction and sometimes we miss out on opportunities because they weren't right for us absolutely we don't know that at the time it's hard to kind of see that but You know, it's even happened to me where I didn't get opportunities. And I was really questioning why and looking back on it now, if I'd gotten any one of those opportunities, I never would have opened my business. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Right. And
0: so the the universe kept pointing me in a different direction than I wanted to go. And I was like, okay, I just got to put my hands up and follow. Right. Right.
1: You know, it's funny you say that because I've had several times that after I apply for a role, I've had this little voice, literally, literally, and we could say God, universe, whatever. And I've had this little voice, you know, kind of just whisper to me, that role was not the one for you. Hmm. It's happened so many times. So I believe that you have to be positioned and, and you know, it could be the right time. It could be maybe the, the, the hiring manager was not the one, you know, that was placed in the corporation at the time. It could be a lot of
0: things. Yeah, a lot. Um, so in terms of your, like your job search, what do you feel has been a big hurdle for you to overcome?
1: So I had someone tell me or call me a multi-potentialite. She said, you are a multi-potentialite. And the person referred to me in this way a few months ago. Now, now that was maybe eight or 10 months in, you know, to the job search. And that was the first time I heard that phrase. And and, and I was really taken aback. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, okay, that's, that's true. So I feel like I have so many good qualities and so many skills. I think I've it's, it's taken me a long time to find what I really want to do. So the hurdle is, you know, I have all these, these great qualities, all these skills. I've met so many people. So many people have spoken into my life and said, you have, you know, this skill, you're a great problem solver, you're all these things, but it's really narrowing down what it is I really want to do. And it's taken some time. Like I'm the person that is distracted by the glittery, fancy things. You give me a project, I'm just going to go in. And then, you know, but I had to really pull back and say, what do I really want to do?
0: Hmm. And that's one of the pieces of advice I give every job seeker I work with is create your ideal job description. Absolutely. And then find a percentage that you want all of those jobs that you apply to to match because, and you may be able to speak to this, we get desperate and we sort of get in this mode of like, I'm going to apply to anything because I know I'm qualified to do it. But going from one thing that you don't like to another thing you don't like isn't helpful. Absolutely. And so that's where creating that ideal job description and saying, okay, I need this to match 70% or greater, or else I cannot apply. That is the thing I'm holding myself to, right? So that I'm not going to a role that is going to impact my mental health worse. Right,
1: right. I agree. I agree with that. Definitely. And Mm -hmm. it's funny, I did a little search recently. I took a list of my passions, a list of my strengths, and a list of three things I want to do. And I put it in chat GBT just to see, you know, what role I could create for myself, and I was I was shocked. It came. I ranked high as a project manager. Hmm. So I did a little search on myself just to see, you know, just to see what I would get. I was just curious. So, um, you know, I would advise job seekers to do the same. You know, just find out what your skill set is. What do you would like to do? What are your passions? You know, and just put it all together. And you never know
0: what you never know what what kind of role you'll find for yourself. First of all, I love that you're using the AI. Right. I oh, love it. Great. Best ones. Great. Um, but I, I can totally see you being a great project manager, right? And I, and I can see it not only because I've had the privilege of speaking with you, but also because as a teacher, I mean, everything that you're doing is managing a project. Every single time students are in the room, you're managing a project. Um, right. and, and so I can see that really being the case and you having a lot of strength there.
1: Right. You know, it's, it's funny you say that. I, I keep saying that, right? So currently I feel like I'm managing a lot of projects. So I'm managing the job search. I'm managing a move. And my daughter is a dog walker and um, I've advised her to, we've created some business cards and she goes out and she gives her business cards and she has been inundated with customers, inundated. And so I'm managing her finances, I'm managing her schedule. So yes, I'm going to say project manager, definitely.
0: I know I can do it. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing that is interesting for you is um you've also taught more than in one more than one area. Right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the disciplines, so to speak, that you've taught in. OK,
1: so I currently am certified K through six in the state of Florida. Um, I've had opportunities to teach um, K through 12. Way back when um, I taught um, high school English. I taught overseas in South America. Um, mm-hmm. When I lived in New York, way back when I taught grade six through eight in Florida. I taught you know K through five. I've taught virtual, as I said, overseas, and as well as brick and mortar. I currently I'm tutoring about five kids. Um, you know throughout the summer. You know parents want some you know enrichment and some remediation. So I would have to say that i've taught pretty much the gamut of students um k through 12
0: yeah and you've done a lot of english um i think you've done some math too right Yes. so
1: so i've taught math social studies i was writing this down the other day math social studies english writing science as well as spanish so yes
0: Hmm. So you could be, um, I think you'd really position well as an ESOL teacher, because not only could you help with the people that are speaking Spanish to sort of um, bridge the gap, if they are struggling to find a word, you can talk to them in sort of a native language.
1: Yes. And I've been really looking into some tutoring opportunities, you know, to tutor, you know, ESOL students. So these are kids that um, they have, they speak their English is not their native language. And when I taught in my district. I received the ESOL certification, so I'm certified to teach, you know, ESOL students. I'm also a certified reading teacher in the state of Florida, and so that's, you know, I had to take about 300 additional training, um, training hours to become certified in those two areas. And I love the ESOL kids because those are the kids that, you know, they get pulled out, and a lot of times, you know, to be honest with you, curriculum they they do not do a really good job, as I've seen, you know, providing elo um you know enrichment ac- activities and stuff like that so you know that's why i really love that that community of kids
0: yeah and you know one of the things you and i talked about those those students right who are gifted right who have this really gifted mind oftentimes you're, you're the one that's finding those kids and and setting them aside in a good way to say, let's get them on a different path that challenges them. Right. right. And I know that you talked about that with a lot of pride. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? So gifted
1: kids are these kids that have what we call giftedness to them. And so oftentimes they're the kids that, um, have a personality you look at them they're the leader they're, the, they're it's it's the kid that's taking charge or taking control they're the, they're the teacher assistant and they have this uh, really rich vocabulary they have a desire to learn and to know um, lots of different things. And I would focus on those kids in particular. Like, those are the kids, unfortunately, that in the classroom, they're the kid that's left, you know, in the corner reading a book while the teacher works on students that are below level. And I, I, would take additional time to work with those gifted kids because they need the enrichment. They need the different activities in order to grow. Like it's, you know, academic academically, it's not okay to say, okay, just sit in a corner, you know, Jonathan read a book. And so I would spend lots and lots of time. When I taught virtually, my district has a virtual school. There were about nine kids that I saw gifted, giftedness in them. Now, and again, like this was the virtual, you know, program that I worked for And um, I identified nine of them and I submitted their names to the gifted um, and talented um screener, you know, program and they actually screen them and 8 out of 9 of the, 8 out of the 9 pass the screener, which is 89%. So I have this way of of paying attention to kids, you know, knowing my students when I was in the classroom, I always received the highest score for knowing, you know, knowing my kids because I want them to have the best opportunity, you know, be it, you know, e- ELL, be it below level or gifted. So I have this way of, you know, pinpointing and, and identifying kids and getting to know them. So I've always ranked very high in that area.
0: Yeah, and that was really interesting to me. And I feel like sometimes those gifted students are also um, bored, right? So there they're might, be, might be moving around the classroom a lot or, or might be almost what peop, um, people would call a distraction, right? Because there's not challenge enough to be paying attention, right? Right. And so then it's up to you to notice that and say, how can we give them different work that challenges them?
1: Right. And not only is it. So, so we have to, first of all, pay attention to the kids, you know, really get to know them. And once in my district and most di- districts, they go through a screener and then once they pass the screener, they, they go through different tests. But then most of the time, those kids get pulled out for certain subject be it reading math or science and then the gifted and the gifted and talented teacher will provide instruction for that student so he or she is not bored and the teacher can continue you know with regular instruction And then all the needs are met for students and that's how i am like i just
0: want i always want i want their
1: needs to be met
0: hmm I love that. And I know that, you know, going back to the training piece, you had talked about how the district has sort of a a minimum training hours. And in general, you always exceeded that and exceeded it by an exorbitant amount, like almost doubled that. Yes, yes. Just and, and to me, that's somebody who is just an active learner, somebody who likes to have all of the skills to be able to help people.
1: So, every district does their training differently. So, in my district in Tampa, Florida, we were required to have, I believe it was 120 or 150 training hours to maintain your license and after you, so your license is good for five years. So within the five years, you have to have a certain amount of training hours. And I exceeded that amount by 700. And then someone helped me do the math. And then growth was like 466% because I want to have the, I want the training for the gifted kids. And most of those trainings, a lot of them came from, you know, um, the ESOL kids and, and just, just you know the reading and just having that specialized um, certificate to help kids that I know um, need the most. So yes, I always want to learn. Like I'm,
0: you know, I'm like I'm the nerd, right? <laughs> um, and I also know that you have sort of positioned yourself on LinkedIn in a very unique way. So not only are you trying to help. Other people who are in their job search journey, you know, you always put out messages. You're like, I'm, I'm just the messenger, I'm just the vehicle, right? And you're promoting other people in their job search, which is fantastic. But you've also taken some interesting approaches yourself to trying to get yourself noticed. And you and I had this conversation where on LinkedIn is that's how you get noticed, right? You got to use all the hashtags and tag all the people. And so not only have you called out businesses and said, Hey, I'm looking for a job. Are, are you interested? You've also put out a challenge of like. I can do, you know, I can do this job. And so tell us a little bit about that challenge and sort of the response that you got.
1: So one day I put a post, these are the jobs, these these are the roles I'm looking for. And I listed them. It was like one, two, three, you know, whatever the post was, whatever the role was. And then the third one or fourth one, I wrote something like, give me a job and I bet you I can do it. And someone actually, a CEO actually contacted me about a particular role. Um, We never really finalized anything in particular, but I do, I put myself out there. Oh, I, I have no problem. Like, I feel like, you know, I'm the person that if you don't ask, no one you won't receive. If you do not make yourself known, no one will know about you. Right. There's a lot of people that, you know, they feel maybe insecure or they feel embarrassed coming online, posting stuff like that. I'm not embarrassed because if I don't put myself out there, no one's going to know. I would have never met you. I would have never met, you know, the different CEOs and recruiters that I've met. And those just open doors for opportunities. So am I going to be vulnerable? Absolutely. I want people to know, you know, what I can do. It's not just for myself. It's to, you know, so a hiring manager can find the best fit for roles that they want to fill as well.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we've even talked about taking that one step further and using your curriculum knowledge to actually teach sort of your LinkedIn population something, right, and show how you can build a curriculum, teach somebody virtually over the course of so many weeks. And, you know, but even your posts alone have been great. But I think you're you're at the point where I think you're going to have you're going to be taking it one step further, because I think you just want to maximize this journey as much as you can.
1: Absolutely. I, um, found several people on LinkedIn that wanted, that didn't know much about LinkedIn. And I actually had some different sessions for them where I built like a little mini LinkedIn, um, course we'll say, and I just walked them through the different steps on, you know, the, about me, you should have this, you should have that. Um, like, I feel like you know, like one of the things that teachers do, we are expected to know programs and curriculums. So it's getting to know programs and curriculums and knowing those things, educating yourself, because, you know, it it just opens opportunities to to, to anyone.
0: And I think, you know, what's also impressive about you is um, your, inc- your desire to want to know more about processes, right? And you talked about it on the call. You've also talked about it with me a little bit more about, Um, Some projects and some opportunities that you've tried just to learn about the process, to speak up, to see how it is for people. And you mentioned that when you were talking about the SNAP benefits and saying, I I want to just go and see what the process was like, right? And for me, that's somebody who you want to help people if and when the time comes. So you're exploring each of these processes to say, how can this be improved and how can I help somebody who's in a situation that may not be able to navigate it as well as I can? right and so i love that that's something that you're so interested in i mean i know you were looking at a job opportunity and you tried to you tried out a new job and you were like here were the the positives here were the negatives right and you were looking at it as if i were to help somebody in this process here's what i'd tell them
1: right you know someone one someone said to me one time the person said you ask a lot of questions and i thought to myself i do I do ask a lot of questions because if you don't ask, like, how are you going to learn? How are you going to improve? How are you going to better yourself? How can, and, and not just that, it's not just for myself, is let's say you're working on a project and you already know me. Clearly I could help you, you know, and, 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 you know, during this process, one of the things I've learned so much about myself is I am a great problem solver a great problem solver. And I think that comes with asking questions. You know, I've had conversations with people in person. I've just walked up to people where I live and, um, and I'll just tell them, Oh, what do you do? You know, how you doing? You know, tell me about your job. So Madison, my daughter had, um, an opportunity to to have, uh, another dog walking client and the wife was, it was a couple. And the wife was telling me about her husband that he works from home. I went right in. So what does he do? do? What company does he work for? Right. And so I could go and check and just see what are the roles and opportunities in that company. And then she said and she and then she started to tell me about her job. So this is like the networking part of of who I am. Um, And so she said, Oh, I work for this company. I said, that's so bizarre. My ex-husband works for that company. She said, okay, I want you to go home and I want you to look at all the different jobs, find one, apply for it. Let me know. And I did, I did that. So it's, it's the network and it's problem solving. It's talking to people, asking questions, getting to know companies. I've actually come to really love, you know, this whole process, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. And the coffee chats are something we talked about in addition, because, you know, the the benefit of that is, You may talk to somebody and that person may not have a role open in their company, but they know other people in other companies that do have roles open. And they're going to speak highly of you when they recommend you to that company or that employer. And so having those networking calls, there's no downside to them. Absolutely zero. You know, you're taking the time to learn about somebody, you're connecting with them on LinkedIn, and now you're growing your network at a minimum.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I've met some amazing, amazing people. I've met a few recruiters that um they said if we had a role right now I would literally hire you right now. And both of those two rec- recruiters actually told me and and this was a this is I thought this was a huge compliment. They said well right now I I can't afford you right now. And so I think what they they saw was my skill set, my experience and they were like I can't afford you right now. You know money's
0: tight for a lot of people. Um yeah. so yes, definitely. That's awesome. Um so What have been, um, you know, two positive things that you've seen during your job search?
1: So two positives, um, definitely through the chat, you know, through the coffee chats, really getting to know my strengths. Because, you know, when you're in a classroom, it's kind of like you're kind of like in a box. Like I felt like I was in a box, right? You know, doing the teacher thing all the time. And so once I left the classroom, I had to... I guess, relearn, you know, about who I really am, you know, as as a transitioning teacher, you know, learning my skill set. So definitely, you know, finding out what my strengths are. And another positive is just really getting to know people, you know, just really networking and connecting and and talking to people. And just, and and through this process, I've learned that one of my um, core values is to be of service. So, you know, owning, you know, my my core values, getting to know who I am as a professional, my skill set, and you know, networking is it's been a really good experience.
0: Yeah, that's really great. And I hope that when you find a job, not if but when you find your next adventure, that you don't stop being on LinkedIn and and you know, building that community and being of service to those job seekers that you are trying to help. So I hope we keep you here and helping. Yes, out. no, I'm, I'm
1: in it for the long haul. I'm <laughs> in it. for. The long, unfortunately, I've, you know, I've taken a, a, a slight pause. I'm in the process of moving. So,
0: you know, so that's, you know, but I love LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is fabulous. That's good. Um, and I know we talked a little bit about your overall experience, but can you also provide maybe two more specific challenges that you've had in that job search?
1: So one challenge there's, yeah, I have two. So the first challenge, I guess, is, um, is the ghosting. So I had a CEO literally reach out to me. And he said he read my post and he saw that, you know, the little blurb was create a role. And watch me do it or something like that. And he said he, after he read that, he reached out to me and we actually had a conversation. He was the CEO of of a company, of a school, an online school. And we had a coffee chat and we talked about it. And it was an immediate connection. He felt he wanted me to help him to help his students to find, you know, their next career. And then um, I thanked him, you know, after the conversation, thank you for, you know, the coffee chat. I look forward to speaking with you again. And then I didn't hear from him. So the ghosting is 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 a huge is is huge uh, I have a problem with that. I do. <laughs> the second challenge is after applying for a particular role, um sometimes a hiring manager will reply and say, we're no longer hiring for that role, but it was available. So if the role is not available, if you're no longer hiring for hiring for that role, not a problem, remove just remove it. So there is no, you know, false hope. There's no expectation. You know, every every everyone everyone's story is different. So when I'm applying for a role, it's because not do I just want to help and be of service and you know help the company, but it's a financial, you know, um, importance to me. So when something like ha- that happens, if fe- I feel let down, so ghosting it has to end. And and I one way to end the ghosting is once you have maybe 50 applicants, you can take it down there's no reason to have 200 people applying for one role. Mm-hmm. So that will help with the ghosting. I think recruiters will have less work to do hiring. It'll just make the process easier. So definitely the ghosting and just being, you know, keeping the post up a certain time and take it down. Once you've had your applicants, I think that would make the process a lot easier for everyone. Look at you already
0: problem solving. Um, it's, it's what I do. I, literally it's, it's what I do. Your brains is always in that mode. And and I'll share with you too, you know, as a recruiter, right? We I have put jobs on pause, you know, in I terms know. of like so the job seeker can't see them, but they're not fully closed. So that if I have to re engage that role again, it's already there and I just press play yeah. basically. Right. Um, but to your point, right, I mean, if I get 50 applicants, immediately put it on pause. Because Absolutely. if one of those 50 isn't working, we're going to know that as soon as we start going through absolutely, that. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And I think to the point of the ghosting or the lack of response at all, right, and and I'm going to make some people mad here, but um, recruiting has an AI function, right? They have um, sort of resume screeners that are built into software platforms. I personally am not a fan. And I'm not a fan for the reason you're mentioning because oftentimes, and I know that with resume screeners, right, you can get more resumes looked at, more resumes can be seen. However, and, and, you know, this was in our conversation initially, too, was we're not educated in high school or in middle school how to build an effective resume.
1: Absolutely.
0: So if I don't use, say that on your job posting, right, it says um, words like customer service and, or even in your case, like student success and, and student experience and, you know, all these other phrases, if I'm not using that because I'm, I've been a teacher and I'm just speaking to, I taught math and I taught English and I, you know, and you're not speaking to those other key words that are in the posting, that auto screener is going to disqualify you. Absolutely. So you're in a disqualified bucket, even though you very well could be a qualified candidate and the screener isn't picking up on those different words that you're using. Right. Right. And nobody goes back and checks and says, did the screener actually screen the right, the right response? Right. Right. And so those people either get an auto rejection or they sit in the talent pool until they close the job, you know, and going to your point, I'm a big fan of send people rejections, right. And, and send them to them timely. I mean, I, when I started my business, I'd applied, I'd been applying to jobs six months later, after I'd already started my business, I got a rejection. And I was like, I assumed I didn't get it. It's been six months. Right. But like, that makes me more frustrated. Absolutely. Because I'm like, you would have waited six months. Like, first of all, if, if I was still being considered, I'm not interested because that's way too long. Right. Right. But to your point, if I put this job on pause at 50 applicants, if I don't like that applicant rejection right away, absolutely. Wait until you, until you figure out which candidates are the right candidates. If you know that that person is not qualified, send them an immediate rejection email. Right.
1: I agree. They would
0: rather get one 24 hours after they applied than wait six months.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, when I, again, the problem-solver that I am, so I'm looking at roles and I keep seeing 200 applicants and I was just like, this is not right. And so I thought to myself, okay, if I was the recruiter or hiring manager, how many, you know, what would be a safe number for me to stop at? Like, to me, I think 50 is a safe number. You know, when you have your 50, these are these are the candidates, you have your piles, you know, whatever the case may be. These are the, you know, these are, you know, my 10 I'm going to go to. These are the ones that are the maybes, you know, just make it easy. I think it's easier for every, everyone. I mean, I, I remember applying for a role and it was a fantastic role. And I did the thing, like I reached out to someone in the company and, and the person he went to the, we went to the same college. And so I introduced myself, oh, we both went to, you know, Hunter college in New York, you know, I just want to connect with you. And then I did the thing and I, and I wanted to get some information about the company. And he's, and he immediately asked me, so what role are you applying for? And So I just took that opportunity. I went in and I told him the role and he said, let me ask my program manager about that. Let me, let me ask. And he came back and I felt really generally, really bad for him. He said that role we're not actually my per my manager. We're not actually hiring for that role. It was a dummy role. So he got caught in the crossfire. He had to be the one. And I felt so bad because Mm -hmm. he had to be the one to deliver that message. I said, and I, and I replied, I said, so what you're telling me is they're really not hiring for that role, and he didn't reply because he got stuck in the middle of a, a, a dummy role, which is and 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 that's a problem because now you know there shows a, a, there's a lack of trust between the applicant and the company, and you know people just start to feel you know insecure about the process. Um, so keep you know keep the applications at a minimum, make mm-hmm. sure the time frame is is sufficient, two weeks, whatever the case may be. So it's just easier on everyone, and we can you know so the process can be a little more seamless you know, for everyone and roles aren't
0: just, you know, open for long periods of time, I guess. And I think that also can send a bad message to your employees, not only because they're caught, caught sort of in the backlash of that, right. But also because if now they know that the company posts dummy roles, they're like, yeah. are we really growing? I or know. are we pretending we're growing? Like then they start to question their own sort of company and, and their role within the organization. I know. So I think that there's a lot of challenge with that. Um so, you know, I, definitely I, I think that your journey is not, I'll say unique in the sense of a lot of people are experiencing this similar challenges that you're facing. I think you as a human being are unique. Um, but I don't think your experience is unique, you know, in terms of those um ghosting, you know, not getting responses back, having gummy rolls, all of those things I think are common challenges. Absolutely. Um, and they're all things that I am passionate about removing from the process. Yes, you are. I mean, you um, have maintained integrity, you know, since I've known you. And, um, and I, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah. And some insight onto those 200, you know, applicant roles, right? So I can tell you, I've posted roles on LinkedIn and I believe in, you know, diverse, equitable, um, hiring, all of that, right? Um, but there are times when, um, in, individuals apply from other countries. And that's all well and good. Right. But there are some companies that don't allow for sponsorship that don't have extra room in the lottery because they've already used their lottery numbers. So they can't even consider those applicants. And so sometimes, and this is what I tell people, a hundred of those applicants might not even be in the U.S. Absolutely. Right. So it's, it's diluting the numbers a little bit and saying, oh, well, there are all these candidates that apply. And it's like, some of them may not even be eligible because of where they live.
1: Yes, you know, I never thought about that, actually.
0: The other portion may also be very underqualified and, and just be sort of applying to see what sticks. Right. And so by the time you actually cipher through or like, you know, filter through all of those 200 applicants, you probably only end up with 50 that are like, you know, maybe, yes, and then like, I can see where they're coming from, but no, right? Like you you get sort of down into that funnel and, and you get like 10 to 20 who may be in the yes and maybe pile.
1: Right? And, you know, I, I came up with a solution. Um, I presented this to a hiring manager and she actually thought it was a great idea. So let's say, for example, there's 50, they print the resumes out and these are the 10 that are a definite, you know, that I would, de- that they would definitely hire so I thought to myself, and I again I presented this to someone. So with those 10 applicants, what I felt that they should do is to, and someone's going to appreciate this because the problems that I solve, I know I help other people, and that's fine. So with these 10 applicants, what I suggested to the hiring manager was why don't you have, you know, 10, you know, two a week or so of coffee chats with these individuals. You wear your hair down, you have your coffee, and you're just literally getting to know the applicant. Um, one of my neighbors, she works for a company that's based out of Australia. And she said their hiring process does not have the typical questions like, tell me about yourself. What are your strains? They are no cookie cutter you know, questions. They're not the same question all the time. They spend time getting to know the applicant, just talking to them. It has nothing to do because they value the resume. So if maybe hiring managers and recruiters would take a week or so to have coffee chats and just to get to know the actual applicants, you know, apart from the actual job, get to know them because I've had someone say, you know, people that work for companies say we hire people, not roles, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: get to know the person, get to know their value, you know, get to know their, their, their core values, what they stand for their principles and I think that would eliminate eliminate a lot of the, you know, excessive amount of work, you know, that get, get that is dedicated to the hiring process. I threw that out there and I thought it was a great idea.
0: Yeah, I love that idea. And, you know, I'm the other challenge I have are, are sort of and I have had some other people on LinkedIn refer to them as gotcha tactics. Right. You know, even the the questions that you were mentioning I've heard a lot of weird questions in interview processes right the tell me about yourself one is so vague that you they're you know they're asking people to go on a tangent right because you're not especially since we've had no coaching as a society on how to do an interview right you're you're like, tell me about myself. Well, I can go personal. I can go professional. I can like, and there's so many avenues that it's like, you're basically asking for me to go on a tangent of something you don't want me to say, but I don't know what that is. Right. And so rather than tell me about yourself, it's tell me about how you feel your experiences would be a great fit for this role. Exactly, Exactly. You're narrowing in on the thing that you want them to share with you. You know, it's also been the case for me of like, you know, the, the whole, why did you leave your last employer? I hate to break it to you folks, nobody's telling you the truth. It's right? true. And that's because we've created a society where we don't want the truth, right? So I've left roles because I had a micromanaging manager and the col- the culture was toxic. But I can't say that in an interview because that makes me look bad, right? So my response has to be, there wasn't enough growth. The culture didn't align with my values, right? Mm-hmm. Not Those things are not Untrue, right? They're not untrue, right. but they're not the the straw that broke the camel's back. So right, basically. right. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. And so for me, like that's you know that's the kind of stuff that it's like, don't ask people why they have left their last role. Ask them what makes what them want to offer. work here. Exactly. Or say, what was a challenge that you faced in your last role that you that you're hoping to, you know, change in in a new role that you're in? Right. Find a different way to ask that, because honestly, it's bringing you no value by knowing why they left their last employer.
1: Right. Right. So I applied for a role and um, I did let, you know, part of the application process was, were you ever did you ever separate your agreement with an employer? You know, something along those lines. And I did you know, a few years ago, this is going, not even a few, it's several years ago. I, my employer and and myself, we separated our, our agreement. And so I checked yes. And then in, in reply to that, they wanted to know the specifics, which put me out there. Right. And so at the end of the day, you know, both my vision and the, and the organization's vision, like we, we just, we just weren't, weren't meshing. So I had to really craft a really specific, you know, email in my defense and not to even bash the employer. It's, it's really, it's, 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 it was hard, but I think I did a really good job because they, you know, they were impressed and they wanted to move forward. You know, they ended up changing the direction of, of that particular role, but they, they would have hired me. So I guess I did a good job doing that, but yeah, like, I feel like get to know the applicant hear what he or she has to, has to, how he or she can add value if, you know, and find out, okay. So if you're looking for someone to solve problems, tell me about the last two problems you just solved.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's a great question. Yeah. And, and more than just, you know, even go one step further and say, okay, tell me the the type of problem that you solved and then how you solved it. Right. Because I want to also know, like, how did you do it? Right. And, and what was the impact of that problem? Solved, exactly, right? exactly. So digging into that deeper, especially if that's something that's going to be a main component of the role. And so I do think you're onto something, you know, I believe in getting to know people um, because you can train just about anything, you can send them to learn just about anything. But if they are not a, and I hate to say culture fit, right? But if, if they are not bought into what you do in the organization, and they don't, they don't have um, um, strengths that round out your team's weaknesses, then it doesn't really matter, does it? Right. Right. Um, So, you know, I see it all the time with expectation setting with hiring managers. They're like, we want all of our candidates to have all of this experience. And I was like, basically you're saying, I want my, my squirrel to be purple and I want it to fly. Right. But you will take a gray squirrel or a brown squirrel or a white squirrel or a flying squirrel, but you don't necessarily, you're not going to get the purple flying one because it just, it's not possible. Even the person that lasts in the role that you had didn't have all of those criteria. So for me, I always go in and say, what are the things that are non-negotiable that they have to have entering the door? And what are the things that you're willing to train? Because I'm not gonna look for the things that you need to train. I'm gonna look for the non-negotiables.
1: Exactly, exactly. One of the things that I found interesting also, it's new to me um, because this is all new to me pretty much, is the 30 minute phone screener. And so it's meant to just, you know, pick the applicant's brain really quick. You know, I've had I've had several of those and most of the time when they tell me, "Okay, what questions do you have for me?" Most of the time they can't answer the questions because that person is a third party, you know, they're they're hired as a third party, you know, contractor or whatever the case may be, and most of the time they don't have the answers to those questions. And so that is one part that to me like when I prepare for those phone calls, those screeners, I prepare as though it's an interview. So I have my questions ready. You know, I have my stories, you know, behind everything that I've done. And when they can't answer the question, it's kind of like, you did all this work, you know, like job seekers just want to, to, you know, to, to work just to find their fit, you know? And so some of those little things could be, be eliminated, to be honest with you.
0: So I'll tell you, as, as somebody who has done phone screens, Right. Um, And I I sort of say this all the time, and this is not a knock at recruiters. I value recruiters. I think that they're fantastic and what they do is so challenging. But in all honesty, recruiters do not fully understand, in most cases, the job that they are hiring for. Because if they're working in a corporation, they're hiring for 100 jobs in, in their corp, right, in their org, and they can't understand every single one to the fullest capacity. So what happens is, is the hiring manager says, here are the things that are most important to me. And maybe there's three, maybe there's four. They're right, they go on the job description. This is why I tell everybody bold those keywords because the recruiter gets eight to 12 seconds and they're going in and saying, all right, I have my checklist. These are the things the hiring manager is looking for. Check, check, check. And if you don't have them, they, they move on right, Absolutely. and they'll come back to it maybe if there's time, but they're gonna move on. And so to your point, right, that phone screen is basically for them to just say, it are the things that I saw on the resume, the things that really the hiring manager is looking for. But to your point, they don't know anything else outside of that role. So you're not only building your resume to get through the screening process, you're then also adding elements that you know the hiring manager also wants to know that are extras, right? Yeah. Um, but that the recruiter may not fully grasp the context in which those need to be um, used in that role.
1: Right, I agree. That makes sense.
0: So, and as a recruiter, I can say it was true for me. I mean, there were many times where I was hiring a role that I'm like, don't ask me how to do it. I have no clue. I just know that these are the things they need, right? And so when I would take phone screen notes during that process, I literally was like a transcriptionist, right? I was literally just typing everything that person said because to me, it doesn't, I have no context, right? They could have said something that was like, oh, I did this incredible project. And I'm like, great. But that means nothing to me. So I sent it to the hiring manager. And the hiring manager was like, the fact that they did that project is fantastic. I'm like, great, hire them, right? Like, you know, but for me, I'm just getting all the information captured because I maybe don't know the role as effectively as the hiring manager right. or as the employees doing it. So I'm just there to sort of be the middle person translating that information. Right, right. So, yes, I I agree with you. Um, Do you have any advice that you would give to job seekers who are going through the process right now?
1: Absolutely. Um, One of the things that I think job seekers should do is they should find some sort of career assessment, you know, like personality assessment, get to know yourself and, um, you know, just maybe find out the roles that, you know, pair with your passions, your strengths, your weaknesses. And the second thing is get a list of your target companies and start paying attention to them on LinkedIn, right? And even introduce yourself, you know, do something different and sort of, you know, maybe an introduction letter, a video, just get to know the companies of your choice and make sure your companies match your core values. So I guess to that, you know, have a list of your core values and look for those companies.
0: Mm. And. And I think too, is, and people are going to get this from what we said, is don't get, don't be disenchanted by the process. Um, looking for a job is a full-time job. I mean, it's just the truth of the matter. It's a full-time job to go on, find jobs, apply to jobs, track that you've applied, follow up, right? All of that is a full-time job. And so when that there are struggles or hurdles or challenges, don't let those disenchant you from the goal. And that is finding a job that you are going to excel at. Right. And and another
1: tip to what you just said is if you could find like some sort of accountability partner, Someone that you check in with, you know, maybe at the beginning of the week and, or the middle of the week or something like that, just to keep you, you know, grounded, because it could be very, very overwhelming and could be discouraging. So maybe have an accountability partner, someone you check in with, you know, these are the highs and lows of my week and let that person speak into your life and, you know, share what, you know, they see in you, because it could be a very, very lonely, lonely process. It can. Mm
0: -hmm. And what I will say is if you feel alone in this process, not only am I here to help you, But reach out to Karen. She'll do a coffee chat with you. Absolutely.
1: I haven't had a coffee chat in a while. I've been missing them, but no, really. Like, so anyone listening to this, if you're a job seeker, anyone, you know, uh, my name is Karen Rojas. You could find me on LinkedIn. Feel free to send me a DM. Um, So I, I I recently titled myself as a seasoned job seeker and I'm not ashamed of it, right? Like this is a process for myself and I'm absolutely fine with the process. But, you know, there are people, you know, I met a lady on LinkedIn and she was having a real hard time when. Day she was putting some messages out and and I really felt like she was in a a moment of crisis. I did. I honestly felt like she was in a moment of crisis, and I sent her a DM and I said, "Can you know? You know, do you need to talk?" And you know, I felt like she really needed someone. And to be honest with you, I really felt as though I saved her life that day. Honestly, so Mm -hmm. reach out if you feel alone. Honestly, send me a DM. I I read every message and I will respond to every message as well.
0: And employers hire Karen. I don't know how else to say it. Plainly hire. (laughs) Karen, right. Um, And, and you have so many things that you're good at. You would even be willing to do, you know, short-term projects, right. Absolutely. Cause we talked about that project based you know, so hire Karen, she's out there ready to, to work for you.
1: Well, let me just add something. So I do have a little side gig. And so if you're in sales or if you're an SDR, if you're in that area, you need to listen to this. So to pay the bills, I took on a little side role where I help small to mid-sized businesses, to recover unclaimed funds through the CARES Act. Some people think that that went away. So it has not gone away. There's still lots of money in the CARES Act if you have a company that was impacted by COVID. So I closed four deals, four companies. I sourced all the leads myself and the total payout for the total revenue for these four companies is $504,000. That's how much money I helped four companies get. So Hmm. if you're in sales, you're looking for someone in sales, I, I'm a good talker. I can talk to people. I know how to source leads. I know how to ask qualifying questions. So that's something that I've also, you know, that's kind of in my wheelhouse too. Again, I'm a multi-potentialite. So you just throw something at me. I'm sure I can do it.
0: And if not, you're going to learn how to do it on on LinkedIn on some sort of platform. Um, so I will make sure that we include your LinkedIn, uh, where people can find you on LinkedIn, what your handle is. Um, Are there any other ways, like, are you on any other social media platforms that you're on, or is it mainly LinkedIn?
1: Actually, since I've been on LinkedIn, I'm really not on Facebook anymore or Mm.
0: Instagram. I spend most of my
1: time on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. Um, So I like to end every episode by um, talking about my favorite poet of all time, Maya Angelou. May she rest in peace forever, rest in power. She has a great quote that says, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Mm. And I'm sure as a teacher, this rings very true for you. Can you share a time when that was true for you?
1: Yes. So I have to, you know, give honor and credit to my daughter she's 14 and she'll always leave me these little notes like you'll find a job you'll do this you know you're really great and you know you're working so hard and and the reason why if, even though she's not on linkedin and she's not that's not her thing she's the one that knows me the best and she sees my effort and so she'll always say you're going to get a job you're going to do great um so i guess you know and to, to her credit, you know, or to my credit, to our credit, she is a, she's an entrepreneur. She's doing a great job. She's a dog walker. She's making, you know, great money. So, you know, I guess, you know, to my daughter, I guess.
0: And that's awesome. Cause like you were saying, I mean, even those, those messages she writes on the little notes, you may not remember every word that she puts on there, but you remember the feeling that she gives you of like, she's there to be your cheerleader. She's there to encourage you. And and you've done that for her, right? So it's it's interesting that she's now giving that back to you. Exactly. Um, it's full circle, but I, I love that. And a lot of people don't say they're children, but I think, you know, that happens a lot is, you know, your children are, are silently or even vocally cheering you on. And in the mix of it all, you don't notice. Absolutely, yes. But you're noticing, which is great. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So before we end the episode, is there anything you'd like to share with, you, with any of the listeners out there that we haven't covered?
1: You know, I would just encourage, you know, I guess job seekers to, you know, stay connected on LinkedIn. Um if you feel like you need a break, take that break. If you feel like, you know, it's 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 middle of the week and you feel a little burnt out, take the break, take the time off that you need. This process can be overwhelming, so, you know, and if you feel like you need someone reach out, do not do life alone. There's a lot of people that are, you know, alone and and lonely and and I You know, reach out to me, you know, but don't do this alone. If you feel overwhelmed, take a pause, take a break, you know, reach out to someone and, you know, but stay connected on LinkedIn. It's a powerful, powerful tool. It's wonderful. It's amazing. I've met, you know, a lot of great people. So stay connected.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Karen. I appreciate you being here. Um, And to all the listeners out there, as I end every episode, lead with empathy, act with kindness. Have a great day, y'all. Thank you for listening to All People Podcast. If you enjoyed our show, I'd love for you to subscribe and leave a five-star review. The work doesn't end here. If you want to keep the conversation going, find me on LinkedIn or Facebook or visit my website, atpeoplepartnerllc.com. Lead with empathy and act with kindness. Have a great day.